Hey, this is professional cool person Kate Bresnahan, and you're listening to Adrian Has Issues. Hey everybody, welcome to Adrian Has Issues. My guest today, I've actually known on and off for, oh god, we still haven't figured out exactly how many years it's been, because the story changes every time we run into each other, or we have to explain to somebody else how we met exactly. (laughs) Um, But most of you will probably know him best as the host of the syndicated talk radio show, It Came From The Radio, and uh turns out his background in terms of comics and geek culture actually goes back uh, pretty far. I know him from radio, but that's going to be cool so we can get a little bit into your origin story, so to speak. But please welcome to the show, Mark Torres. Mark, uh, it's good to have you, man. How are you doing? I am well. Thank you for having me. This is my first uh, Skype interview. I've been interviewed two other times, so it's been 100 years since then, so we're going to see how it goes. <laughs> but you know what it is? We've, we've spoken uh, a great deal because nine out of ten times, uh, we end up running into each other at a lot of the conventions in the tri-state area. So first and foremost, thank you for having me on your show fairly recently. That was actually a really good time. That's my first interview I've done in a vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> That was our mobile recording uh, van. <laughs> right. So, like I said, it came from the radio. That's how I met you. I've always been a fan of radio broadcasting. And for a long time, it seemed like one of those things that just was not necessarily unattainable. But, you know, it's like you had to go to, like, you know, school for it. And it was like a really big process. But then having discovered podcasting, it allowed me to sort of do it in a different way. And then meeting you, it was awesome. Because I was able to at least see, it's like, hey, look, here's someone else, much like um, another show, Big Cavs Geek Stuff, based out of Jersey. These are guys who are doing radio shows, but it seemed a lot more personal than just, you know, a bunch of talking heads on the radio. So I knew you from that, but I've come to realize, how much about Mark do I really know? So I don't know if you want to maybe at least get started, you know, your origin stories, you know, how you came about in the scene and how the radio gig came about. Wow, my origin story. Jeez, it's going to be really boring. Um, <laughs> since I was a little kid, I always wanted to be in comics somehow, some way, shape, or form. Uh, usually when you're young, you think the, the art is the way to go. You want to draw comics. But then I was told that you don't actually c- create the comics. Somebody else tells you what to do, and then you draw it. And you don't want to do that. You want to be the writer. You want to be in charge. Um, I went to uh, comic book school. Um, what was it called? The New York Academy of Comic Book Arts and Fantasy Illustration. And that was in Manhattan. And um, I learned a lot. Um, Russ Braun was a teacher there. Um, he is now drawing uh, – well, he just finished drawing um, Where Monsters Dwell for Marvel. This is, this is like 100 years ago. So I was told at that time – this is the 90s. Oof, I'm, I'm so old. Um, <laughs> You only needed $2,000 to make your own comic book. So I was like, I can do that. And then when you start doing it, you realize it's you need more than $2,000. You need a lot more than $2,000. <laughs> the page rates of, of artists, it's really high. And then you need an anchor and a pencil unless you do it all yourself, which I cannot do. I, I know my limitations. Right. Um, so as I was trying to make my book happen, my, my idea come to life, which uh, a quick segue is actually coming to happen um, in October 
at the Stanley Comic Con. Um, they're going to announce oh, my book is going to be released on digital format. So hooray. Awesome, man. To do that, I'm like, I need to know people. I need to network. I need to meet other combo people. And one day I was driving along and I heard this advertisement on the radio. Hey, you want to make your own show? Do you know professionals in the field? Make your own show. And I was like, I want to do that. So basically the radio show was an offshoot to trying to meet people and network to get my book done. And 20 uh, – well, actually, let's see. This, we did it. The first, first episode was our Daredevil episode with Ben Affleck. So that would have been 2003, I think like the week after February 14th, around that time. Yeah, that was around the time I think when I came out. Yeah. Yeah. So we did it. We did. We watched the movie and then that was our first show, very first show. And our show wasn't even called It Came From The Radio at the time. It was called The Comic Book Novice. So that's what, 14 years ago? <laughs> so, 14. <laughs> Holy crap. Like, it's scary to think. I didn't mean to cut you off, but it's like, you know, once you mentioned Daredevil Ben Affleck, I mean, that seems like such ancient history now. So it's like, it's even weird that it's been about that long since that movie came out. Yeah. Like I said, I'm old. So, <laughs> um, so yeah. So then 14 years later, here we are still doing the show and we're better now than we ever were back then. And it's crazy that, you know, you started out doing something on one angle, like you said, you wanted to meet professionals, get into the comp game. But then, you know, I guess you would say that sort of the radio persona kind of took on a life of its own. And while it's great that you're still creating your own books, but yet, you know, obviously you guys found a niche and you've been at it for so long that it's like where I go, you guys are. And I think that's really important that you've kept up a present and, you know, you've become a pillar in our community as far as press goes, because... What we do is not easy, and that's something I think when it comes to radio and podcasting and things like that, I think there's maybe even still some, like, I guess maybe misconceptions or maybe misunderstandings about what really goes into it. And I'm not trying to necessarily scare anybody off saying, oh, this is the toughest thing that you'll ever do. It's like, no, it's great, but I, I think there's still a ways to go in terms of showing just how viable a format things like, you know, radio broadcasting and podcasting can be. Not only just for comics, but for just, you know, any medium. It's not super hard. It's not, um, well, what, what was it? Uh, architecture. It's not rocket science, but it does take some effort and work into it. It's, um, it's a, it's a labor of love. Just, it's creating something. And if you love what you do, it's not, it's not that the reward is great, but sometimes it's really hard to put, put stuff together to try and get in to knock the doors open and try to get it going for all this time. Right. And especially, like I said, for those of us who may not have gone through this extensive schooling and starting relatively at a base level, you kind of have to, it's like a, it was like a grassroots operation because you really had to build the name where there was not a name originally. Yeah. Cause like I said, we started, well, this is right. 2003. So back then, podcasting and the technology wasn't as it is now. Right. Like, holy crap. And I, and I'm not a technology guy. So, you know, that was my, my thing. But now technology is catching up. I'm like, holy crap, if we did this now, if we had started now back then, it would be so much easier. Maybe in a way it's like it's easier, but maybe that ease might actually become at a detriment. I don't know if you would agree to that, but I sometimes feel like, yeah, you might have all the tools, but you still have to know how to use them. Yes, um, you would have to have to, um, I guess, have a knack for it because um, – the one thing that we did when we started is that we, we tried to model our show after something. So at the time, The View was big. 
So we tried to make it like the viewers, like a panel show, and each person had their own distinct viewpoint. And that's something that you have to actually plan ahead of time. It just, I mean, it, it, you you just can't just throw people together. You have to have people that actually play well off each other right. when you have a group of people. So that's something that you would need to do. And and we've had changed um, a lot of uh, co-hosts. And you know, you try new people, and they, and they have to fit. So like, um, I'll never forget when we uh, have our senior correspondent now, Charlie. His, he was so nervous when he first started, and he was like doing homework and stuff. And I'm like, dude, just it's a conversation. Just we're just gonna have a talk, and that's how it's gonna go. So, and then he got into it, and then he just he just goes and riffs on me now. Now he just he just makes fun of me because he's more comfortable doing. As, as you remember, he just he does that. Like the one sometimes we're in such deep conversation, and a lot of times he's not a fan of comics per se because he doesn't know that that's not his thing. He enjoys the artwork, but he's not a comic guy. Right. And sometimes when me. And one of my co-hosts are talking about comics like intently, and then I say, "Hey, you know," because I see him sitting there in the in the in the station, and he's and he's not participating. And my job is to make sure everybody's participating. Oh, well, what do you think, Charlie? He goes, oh, "I wasn't paying attention." <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but I love that dynamic between you and Charlie, and that's something I do miss about having a um, steady co-host. Is like you said, being able to bounce off of somebody, being able to have a good rapport. Because one thing I appreciate about your dynamic with Charlie is the fact that. While he may not necessarily be super, like, into comics, like, let's say you and I are, you know, he definitely at least brings in that, that every man to every person persona for a lot of people who, like I said, when you and I may talk comics, you know, we may start geeking out, but there may be people who are, like, either confused or turned off or may not know what it is. So it's always nice to have someone from, like, maybe a possible outsider's perspective who then could kind of at least make it relevant or at least make it relatable to him. And I, I, I love that dynamic. And yeah, he makes fun of you, but that's how you know you actually have a good co-host. <laughs> exactly. So that's why, you know, it's, it's, that's one of the things that you have to know ahead of time. So when we did that, that was one thing that we, we tried to do. And then um, as the years went on, as I said, we've been on for so long, um, Craig Ferguson came out. And his talk show was extremely different. The Late Late Show with Craig Ferguson, he just had conversations with people. So it wasn't question, answer, question, answer. It was a conversation. And I was like, you know, I think we should do that and be our own thing. So it's one thing to have a, a, a list of questions in front of you and just ask the question and hopefully, you know, and try to steer the conversation. But it's another thing to actually have a just regular conversation. Right. Funny that you mentioned Craig Ferguson because Eileen and I had this great chat one day. We were talking about interview styles and it's like where we fit. And, you know, I, I try not to throw too much flack in. Like, you know, you think of someone like, I don't know, a Leno or maybe even like a Jimmy Fallon where it's very Q&A, but you can kind of tell the conversations are scripted, you know, like they're very pointed. You could tell like they went over the talking points. They don't stray too far from the path. But then I, something Craig Ferguson used to do. And I'll always admire him for him is that every time he'd sit down with a guest, he would rip up the cards. Yeah. He'd tear up the cards. <laughs> and I didn't really think about it until probably not too long before he ended the late, late show. But that's like such a like bold statement because those cards are their lifeline. So to tear up those cards and then just to go is, is such a like profound moment. And not that in a way of like, I want to be like Craig Ferguson, but I'm like, you know what? That's how you get to the real in a way. There was, I mean, I'm a big, huge Craig Ferguson fan, and there was an episode when he had Harrison Ford on, and Harrison Ford is a pilot, and so the entire episode, he was talking about flying planes and stuff, 
And Harrison was like, don't you want to talk about other stuff? Like, no one else is going to care about this stuff. He goes, I don't care about that. I want to talk about this. <laughs> and it made for a great interview. Right. And I feel like that's the mark of a good interview is to be able to talk to someone about something that someone may not know. Like you said, Harrison Ford, we all know him, Indiana Jones, Han Solo. I mean, the guy is a legend in terms of Hollywood. But really, people, I don't even think people even knew he was a pilot until, you know, he nearly died in that yes. plane crash. And it's like, <laughs> so it was like, why wouldn't you think that this man would have normal hobbies? And, you know, that's why I love doing this show and even going to cons and meeting comic creators. Cause you're like, yes, you're known for these works or these very popular things, but yet these are living, breathing people. So why not talk about the everyday? Why not, you know, make them human in such a way? Unless you have someone who, is used to just having like a a presence of some so maybe they might not be as willing to talk about certain things, but I love those moments where you can just sit down and just have like these basic conversations with people. I, I think that this format, whether it be podcasting or radio, if it weren't for that, you'd never get that. Right. You you have to have a rapport, as they say. Right. And and you know, Everybody else does the interview, the quote-unquote interviews. Everybody else does that. So it's nice that few people are able to just talk. And that's what I think we try to do. Well, now you're syndicated at that point, which I think is even cooler. Because, I mean, holy crap, like for a radio station, that's kind of a big deal. Yeah, um, we're on uh, WARY 88.1 in Westchester County. Um, that's in New York, for you guys who aren't in New York, or United States, by the way. Um, we're on uh, Talk Radio NYC. Um, they air us on, what is it, Wednesdays? Oh, today. Today at uh, 10 o'clock. <laughs> they air us on Wednesday. It's Wednesday, by the way. Um, <laughs> and uh, Beyond the Dawn Studios is another two online radio stations, so the two I mentioned. And Beyond Dawn airs us at 4 o'clock on Thursdays. And then we're also on, you know, the iHeart and the iTunes and all that stuff. So we are on three actual stations, one traditional and two online. All right. So now that we know you from your radio persona, let's get into the comic book creator version of yourself. You mentioned earlier the comic that, you know, was about to uh, come out in October. But would you mind getting into a little bit of that and what that book's all about? Sure. Um, it's it's weird because I still don't have the full elevator pitch, which is sad because, like I said, it's 20 years old, so I should know what the elevator pitch is. Um, <laughs> it's changed from you know when I made it to now. So when I originally came out with the idea, this was in the 90s, everything was super overpowered. Every comic book was you know super this and super power that. And I thought if I'm going to make a comic, I want to do the opposite. I want to make it very low-key. Um, very non-superpowery powered book. And also in the 90s at the time was when, if you remember, Independence Day came out, the movie Independence Day, which mm -hmm. started the, the quote-unquote summer blockbuster world. And when I watched Independence Day more than once, it, it started a trend for me realizing that movies, a lot of the big-budget movies, don't make a lot of sense. <laughs> Things don't make sense. <laughs> you watch the second or third time, you're like, hey, that doesn't make sense. Why is this? And it, and it, and it takes away from the enjoyment. So that's what I did. I made this book as something that, A, makes sense as best to my ability, and B, um, is very low-key. So it's, uh, it's two warring alien races. Um, they're fighting over this power source. The bad aliens are trying to fight, obviously, the good aliens and good aliens and escape with the power source. They make their way to the planet Earth in the 50s. Is that when Roswell happened? Was it the 50s or was it the 60s? They made it, to, they made it there and that became the Roswell incident. And one of the 
alien survives the crash and he integrated himself into the world as it is and he became a neurosurgeon. The reason why he became a neurosurgeon is because while escaping from the bad aliens, he realizes that this uh, power source, which is like a gem, which was broken into six pieces, um, he realized that if it's inside flesh, it can't be detected by the other crystals. Huh. But if they're exposed, they can lead to each other. So when they're all put together, it's a more powerful thing, as they tend to be when you have pieces of fragments. So he became a neurosurgeon to hide it inside human brains, and therefore the bad guys wouldn't be able to find him. As he was uh, transferring it from one to another, it was exposed. The bad guys came. Then some our main human characters come into play. They get into this giant uh, car crash. He puts the crystals in their brains, the little little gems. They get powers, and then the aliens are here at the time, and then they try to basically escape with their lives. Wow, this sounds awesome. What was the name of this again? It is called Designated, because they are the designated of the crystal. <laughs> See, now that's a superhero story, like you said, that kind of makes sense, and at least in as much as, you know what, everything has a reason for why things happen. And See... And also, you may have Loki ruined the uh, Independence Day for me, but granted, the sequel did that more than you did. So <laughs> thanks for that. No, <laughs> well, uh, Independence Day, fire doesn't work like that. If you remember, the dog should have died. <laughs> well, yeah, but there was no way they were going to kill a dog in a summer blockbuster movie. Like, <laughs> She closed the door. That's all you had to do. Close the door. But no. And you don't notice it the first time. I'm just going to Right? But I'm going to say this, though, and I'm I'm sure there's so many animal lovers who are going to hate me after this, but I've come to notice, I'm almost going to willing to call it the John Wick syndrome, where something like an animal will be brought in for an emotional response, because again, who doesn't love, you know, a, a cute dog or a puppy, something like that? So, like, let's say in a movie like John Wick, you're like, okay, this guy is this horrible assassin, whatever, you know, his wife dies. You feel bad, but you're like, you know what? You've seen this in movies. But once the element of the dead puppy comes in, you're saying to yourself, these sons of bitches. So that way, when John Wick starts murdering people horribly. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Because at, at no point are you like, wow, this is a lot of murder and this guy is unhinged. Over a puppy. Over a puppy. But yet, at the same time, you're thinking to yourself, I probably, maybe not the same thing, but. <laughs> and I get it. Someone's going to be like, that's what it's what it represents. And I get it. But like I said, the minute you bring in a cute puppy, all bets are off. So you know what? Independence Day might have actually like pre John Wick in that regard. <laughs> <laughs> they they should have still had the dog 20 years later. That would have been the best part of part two. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's the thing. They brought back Bill Pullman. They bring back Jeff Goldblum. No one cared. It's like, you know, what? bring the dog back. <laughs> yes. <laughs> They could have, uh, oh, a spoiler. I guess we could spoiler uh, Independence Day 2, right? Oh, are you kidding me? No. I want to do at least four podcasts about that movie because I still can't understand how it happened. Yeah, spoil away, please, because goddamn. <laughs> so they brought back Vivica Fox only to kill her off two minutes later, so they could have had her with the dog and fall off the building. That would have been it. <laughs> I come to realize, like, Independence Day 2, or what was it called? Resurgence, I think, was uh... Yeah, Independence Day Resurgence, because nobody likes part twos anymore. Right, but Resurgence just did this thing for me where I've, I think it overestimated what it was about the first movie we liked and why we should care. And I've come to realize it wasn't all necessarily just Will Smith, but 
wow, it's like no one was really saying, oh, I wonder what Judd Hirsch is up to. Or, <laughs> you know, it's like, because, <laughs> you know, all the kids love the guy from Taxi. <laughs> I, I think they tried. <laughs> they, they get a medal for trying in that one. They tried. But this is, I think what really hurt me the most about that movie isn't so much that it was bad, but it's just that I watched it and I couldn't feel anything. Um, I was actually at my cousin's house and I wanted to be, I, I couldn't be angry. <laughs> I wasn't bored. I just watched it and then I just turned it off and then just never thought about it until like my stepkid mentioned it. And I'm just like, I think that's probably the mark of like the worst entertainment where you, you're not mad at it. You're not enjoying it. All you just know is it just happened and you walk away. Like to get no response is the worst response. Yeah, it's like, well, that was a thing. What's what's for lunch? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Just offhand. So what would you say is your example of that? What's something that you've watched that you've basically been like, I have no idea what I just saw. And you just basically left it at that. Oh, I've seen so many movies. One of the things I used to work in a movie theater. And then before that, I used to work at Blockbuster. So I've seen a lot of movies. It's, I can't even think of one particular one. I was like, oof, that was, that, that was, that happened. And then I just walk away. It's usually either, oh my God, that was terrible. Oh, this was awesome. It's very rare something in between. <laughs> like, meh. Oh, oh, actually, um, the, the Hobbit movies. I, I would say that I saw it. And I was like, all right. Cause I don't, I don't think that it was for me. I never saw the, uh, the original Lord of the Rings. Because of one of my quirks, I was mad at the studio for how dare they going to make three movies in one shot because they expect the movie to be so good that they already know they're going to make two more. Screw that. I'm not watching it. So I refuse to watch that. <laughs> and then everybody in the dog is like, oh, this is the greatest thing ever. So I'm like, maybe one day I'll watch it. But I have to sit and watch the whole thing in one shot because if it's no good, that means I have to force myself at some other day and time to watch the rest, much like the uh, Twilight series. I still haven't seen that, but I saw the first one, and oof, that was a rough one. Um, <laughs> but then The Hobbit came out. The Hobbit came out, and uh, I was working in the movie theater, and I'm like, you know, I'm working in the movie theater. I see whatever I want for free. Well, let me put it on. And I watched it, and I'm like, okay, that happened. <laughs> <laughs> You know, there's always that battle Star Wars fans have along with um, Lord of the Rings fans. It's like, okay, which trilogy is the most popular? But they do share that common bond of having their prequels be completely just mishandled. <laughs> <laughs> so now the beef is officially over. I don't know. I think the uh, the Star Wars guys uh, got the short end of the stick with this uh, new trilogy. Oh, that's right. Okay, I'm so glad you brought this up because this is actually one of my favorite memories of us interacting. This was, what, Comic Barcon? Uh, last year, 2016? One of them. It was, I go to a lot of stuff. <laughs> right, but I think this was Barcon, because I remember there was food involved. Barcon, yeah, that's the yeah. one. <laughs> Which, nice, uh, a little bit of a callback to the um, interview I did with you guys, where you and Charlie were bickering over food. But, yeah. uh, <laughs> but food um, good. <laughs> it was good, but like at Barcon, we had this whole chat, and I remember just being like... It was this quick moment of just that stereotypical nerd rage where you went on this whole rant about how you disliked the new trilogy, and I just I couldn't fathom it. So, you know what? I'm going to give you this platform to explain <laughs> to these people why it is you do not like these new movies. Okay. Um. Well, there's only one that came out. The other one, it's still, we don't know how that's going to be. But I loved Rogue One. Good God, I loved Rogue One. I actually think it was my favorite one. Good God, that was such a good movie. It was... 
and it, it saddens me how good that was and it didn't even have any established characters in it well except for Darth Vader but like can you imagine if that was episode uh, 7 like how good that could have been with Han and Luke and Leia and all that in there it would have been like the greatest movie since the history of movies that being said the um, Force Awakens and and I don't have the same problems that a lot of people do. It's like, oh, it's just a rehash of the you know, episode four. I don't care. Whatever. It's the same story again. Who cares? I've seen many things. You can tell the same story over and over. As long as it's sold well, it's fine. It's just that it was pandering to the audience. There's there's a fine line between pandering to the audience and, and paying homage to something. The best comparison I can give is uh, Creed. Because Creed was also the seventh movie in the franchise. Creed was also the old passing over to the new. Creed was, you know, many years in the making, all that stuff. They were very, very similar. Creed had emotion and heart, and it was amazing. And it had a lot of callbacks. Like, uh, did you see Creed yet or no? I am probably the last person to see that because I literally saw that a month ago. <laughs> okay, so when he was chasing the chicken, like that was a callback, you know. That was something, but in, in The Force Awakens, when the guy picks up the, the ball that Luke uh, was using in The Million Falcon, like, really? That's still there after all these years, and he just happens to find it? Stuff like that. When I was watching the movie, I already was negative going into it because J.J. Uh, Abrams has done, has done me wrong. So I was like, oh, this, this, I'm, I'm worried, but I'm hopeful. And when I'm in the theater, you know, I'm, I'm getting ready. I'm getting excited because there was tons of energy. So they were looking forward for this movie. Right. And then the first thing, well, one of one of the first lines is when um, Poe is face to face with uh, what the hell is that? Uh, Kylo Ren. And he says, oh, which one of us is supposed to talk first? And that pulled me out of the movie so much. Really? That line? That line, because that made me go right to Spaceballs. That's something that would happen in Spaceballs. If you remember when Leia and Vader met for the first time, she didn't go, which one was supposed to talk first? You know, jokey, jokey. No, she was serious because it was a serious situation that was going on and she was playing herself. When you're in that type of situation, which we would, when they go for realism, you don't do that. So that pulled me out of the movie and then they tried to pull me back in with distractions like a bad magic trick. Like, oh, look, we got a million falcon over here. Don't pay attention to all this nonsense that's going on. Don't pay attention to the fact that Han Solo, spoiler, let me stop, spoiler, <laughs> dies <laughs> because it was so telegraphed. Like throughout the movie, Han is like, yeah, I'm going to go over there to get killed. I'm like, all right, I'll see you later. Go get killed. And like there was no heart in it at all. There was no heart when he died. Yes, he wanted to be written off, but they could have done it in so many other ways for him to die in that fashion. It was just a, a cheap death. See, I would argue as far as like, okay, as far as a cheap death, I don't know because I'm still wondering if that moment will have some sort of payoff at a later date. But it, should, it shouldn't be like that. You shouldn't have, oh, things pay off later on. No, you should make it beginning, middle, end. Make it good and then... You can plant the seeds for something else, but it shouldn't be cliffhanger upon cliffhanger upon cliffhanger upon cliffhanger because then it's not even a movie. It's part of a movie. But I don't know. Personally, I kind of liked what they did with the whole Kylo Ren um, interaction because I think it kind of went along with the character. Because like you said, when a Darth Vader in any time in a Star Wars movies showed up someplace, whether he showed up on like, you know, 
the the Death Star in Return of Jedi, or you know when he was on the bridge of one of the uh, Star Destroyers, everybody basically tightened up and is like, "Oh shit, he's here!" Like so. Then when he'd address one of the officers about, you know, okay, how's the construction of the Death Star going? That whole conversation, that guy is terrified because he knows that at the end of the day, he is one of or will possibly be one of dozens of officers who have been arbitrarily killed just during a simple meeting or at least threatened with force choking. Right. So he knows any wrong thing he says, his life's over. <laughs> you know what I mean? So to be to, to get that promotion, like what's the one Admiral Piet? You know, it's like once he watched the other guy on screen next to him die, he's like, oh, crap. Um, <laughs> all right. I, I won't screw this up. Yeah. Kylo Ren is obviously trying so hard to be his grandfather and is failing miserably at it, which I think is kind of his arc because he's just, you know, Ray even told himself he'll never be as good as Darth Vader. So when he shows up trying to play, you know, the badass role, no one really respects him. Which is why I really do feel that, like, you know, Poe Dameron, when he sees him, he's just kind of like, anybody else, if it were Darth Vader, I'm sure the man would shit himself. But that wasn't the information that they were giving when the movie started. When that movie started, he came down like he was the man. He was he held a laser shot in midair. A joke doesn't do that. You see what I'm saying about the inconsistency? How when he came, he's like, I'm the man. And then they just, like, defeat his manness. They just, nope, you're not a man at all. But then what was the point of that whole setup? I guess showing that he could be, but he's too busy trying to be somebody else. If you never met him before and he did that, would the jokes come out? Is that what would happen? As someone who's horribly sarcastic, that's pr- as someone who's constantly made jokes at authority, yeah. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Maybe that just spoke to the asshole within me, but I don't know what to tell you on that one. But I don't know. I think it was appropriate for the character only because... I don't think at the end of the day, they know they pose a threat, but the First Order will just never instill that level of fear that the Empire did. I, I agree to disagree because, hell, the Stormtroopers were even better. <laughs> I got to give them credit. They shot and they hit something. They were, they were doing stuff, right? The bad guys being actually good bad guys. And you're running for your life and that's what you're going to start off with? I, I can't buy it. I can't buy into that. Now, with that said, what are any potential like early um, impressions of what we've seen from like The Last Jedi or even, let's say, the news of Abrams uh, doing Episode Nine? This is uh, Mark Fun Fact number one. Because I've watched so many movies and I've seen tons of trailers, I stopped watching trailers. I really try to exclude myself from any information. So I know absolutely nothing about uh, the movies that are coming up. I love trailers. Like, even going to the movies with my dad as a kid, the trailers to me were sometimes even better than the movies themselves. But if there's a trailer, and it's called a teaser trailer, that's over two and a half minutes, that's not a teaser anymore. I just firmly believe that a teaser should be no more than, like, either 30 seconds a minute tops. We did a show about trailers. We specifically did a show talking about trailers. And I believe that in today's day and age, trailers are no longer necessary. Beyond the fact that if you really pay attention, trailer has the ending of the movie in it. Always within a five-minute leeway, it's in there. So you can actually spot it. I I started noticing that uh, years ago when The Matrix – I think that was one of my first ones. Because they actually – at the end, Matrix Revolutions, the ending of The Matrix Revolution where he's uh, in the godlike pose, that's in the trailer. And then after that, I started noticing it more and more. Like, oh, that's the end. That's the movie. That's the end of the movie. Um, Avengers, what was the biggest thing in that? When the Hulk catches Iron Man? That's, of course, the end of the movie. That is actually very true. But to their credit, 
the teaser that came out for The Last Jedi was very well done. Okay. Because it was, and I'm not going to sit there and do a play-by-play of it, because like I said, I know you intentionally want to go into it cold, because I do too. But it's set up enough that it's like, okay, at least I could see where they possibly could go. But it really didn't give me sequences. It just gave me images. All right, so let me ask you this. If you had never seen a trailer, would you still go watch the movie? Yeah. Then you don't need to see the trailer. <laughs> the trailer trailer is for people to go is to make people want to go see the movie you're already gonna go see the movie what the hell you need to see the trailer for that's the only trailer i've seen for that movie i don't even know if they've come out with another one because it gave me enough to want to look forward to seeing it and i'm good mark fun fact number two i still see movies for free so my vote doesn't count so <laughs> you know we just need a new show called mark fun fact <laughs> that's 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 a long show right there well, I, well, it seems like you're kind of not really big on Abram, so I don't know if you had any opinion on him even coming back for nine. That's going to ruin it. I was like, there was a slight chance because, I, I, like I said, I hated episode seven, hated it. Love Force Awakens. I love Force Awakens so much. I'm like, wow, maybe because Abrams didn't do Force Awakens and Abrams is not doing part eight, maybe eight's going to be awesome. And now, now I know he's doing nine. Up oh, there goes that. So it's going to be a sucksastic ending. Luke's going to die. Everybody's going to die. It's going to be... They're going to sing Kumbaya. Who the hell knows? But it's going to be terrible. I think it would be kind of interesting to see if they will ever actually officially honor the whole Grey Jedi code. Where Luke's new mission is, you know what? Honestly, the the Force is cool, but Jedi and Sith, they're the ones that are kind of screwing it up. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like he's bringing balance to the Force by getting rid of both of them. Speaking of Luke, you're going to go into hiding and leave a map where you're going into hiding? That's not going into hiding. That's saying I'm over there. Oh, no. I don't think he went into hiding. I think that was essentially a talent scout. They <laughs> they said in the beginning, he went into hiding. Oh, he's in hiding. He's in hiding. We don't know where he is. Uh, there's a map. That's not really hiding. That's these stuff like that. Stuff like that pisses me off. You know what it is? It's the world's most dangerous scavenger hunt. It's like, okay, <laughs> I'm basically going to leave these breadcrumbs. Who's going to be either smart enough slash dumb enough to find me? Because obviously when Ray shows up, his face is like a, oh, shit. It's not like a, oh, hey, he's like, ah, oh, I'm fucked, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> like, he, he's just kind of like, crap. I was kind of hoping it'd be you, but why did it have to be you kind of thing? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, he seems very much like he intended to do what he did, but I think there was a part of him who was just like, oh, boy, I was really hoping no one would have been able to figure all that out. <laughs> <laughs> figure out how to read the map, which way is north. <laughs> Oh, boy. But yeah, you know what? We may have to revisit this uh, once the movie does come out, because now knowing how you feel about it. But which is funny, because so many people had the opposite reaction to Rogue One, and a lot of people felt that that was the one that was sort of a misstep, since it's like you kind of already knew the story, so to speak, where I don't know I personally loved it because it kind of filled in gaps on certain things that we didn't know prior. That made it even better. You knew what was going to happen. And yet, when it happened, you're like, holy crap, they did it. This is, there's one of the old TV shows I watch, NCIS. Um, I always try to, to avoid spoilers and stuff watching TV shows. And one of their main characters was said they were going to die. Uh, like, I think it was like maybe the second season, third season. And I had read an article or something, and I found out who was going to die. The episode happened. I knew, I knew from the beginning that, the, that she was going to die in the, in the episode. And it played like a regular episode, and you know the the bad guy was out to get the team and whatever. Um, and then um, the main lead, Mark Harmon, was going to get shot, 
and the character she jumps in the way, you know, like the classic, you know, sacrificing herself. Right. And she got shot, and you know, she falls down. Like, oh, she did. That's that's what I found out. But then they did the twist. They walked mm-hmm. over to her, and she pulled over her jacket, and she had a bulletproof vest on. And like, oh, she didn't die. I was like, oh, I thought she was gonna die. I could have sworn that she was gonna die. So she gets up, and then the music, you know, the happy music plays. Like the end of the episode is gonna gonna happen. And then she's uh, interacting with with the jokey character, and she's in mid sentence, and her head gets blown off. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> that was the most beautiful surprise. Knowing, I mean, I knew she was gonna die. Yet for that for that split second, I was like, holy crap, she's not gonna she's gonna make it. Knowing very well that she's not going to make it, yet they did it so well. So with Rogue One, you know what's going to happen. And when everything was happening, I was like, holy crap, Ola, they're, they're, it's really happening. And that's why I made it even better. Let's say I know the ending of part nine. Whatever's going to happen, I know it. If it's done well enough, it doesn't matter. Stephen King said that one time. He's like, you know, the ending doesn't matter because usually the fans can come up with something way better than you could possibly ever come up with. And it doesn't ruin it if you know the ending, if the story is told well. It will be interesting to see where they go with this. Do they follow the linear path that a lot of us feel that they are? Or are they going to pull something out and like kind of blow our minds with this? But seeing as how Rogue One was a very pleasant surprise, I'm willing to bet that at least with the main trilogy, there's still a couple of curveballs left in there. Like, I think they really had to work hard to regain everybody's trust because, again, we're all scared of what they were going to do. Hopefully, that was just one of those things to get us in the seats. And at that that point, they spend the next two movies completely screwing with our heads. (laughs) But before we head out, though, um, and this is something like I've come to realize that a lot of people do, you know, maybe radio shows or podcasts. But like, what would you say maybe are some like ground rules or just things to know if they're looking to kind of get into this sort of uh, business? For your own radio show, uh, somebody had asked me this, um, what, what advice? Find your personality, find your niche that you want to, to go to. You know, so if you like comics, talk about comics. If you like horror, talk about horror. Um, find whatever it is you want to talk about and just talk about it. Don't try to make it a question and answer type thing because it makes it for an awkward thing. If you just have a free flowing conversation, it makes for such a more better program. Also networking. That is utmost importance to do because holy crap, like from when I started to now, as you said, you see me a lot because I know a lot of people now. I know a lot of um, people who do conventions. Uh, I'm going to throw out some names. Um, Elsie McCobb, who does the McCobb Fair Film Festival and the Immortal Con. Um, uh, Eric Hutchinson, who does the Imbion Con. Uh, Mike Carbonaro does the Big Apple Con. Frank Patchett does the Eternal Con. Lance Fensterman, who does the uh, New York Comic Con, you know, he was on our show. Um, it's good to to have those contacts, so that that opens doors for you to get into places. Because if one guy knows you, oh yeah, I know that guy, you know, he can get a he can get a press pass, or I know, or I know this, maybe we'll get an interview that you didn't know any other way. Um, so that's important. So networking and be yourself. It's 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 cliche, I know, but be yourself. If you like talking to people, then you can do it. If you don't like talking to people, don't don't do it. <laughs> I grew up being very much like the anti-social geek so to speak and you know, not very big at, you know, going out of my way to talk. And not that I didn't enjoy it, but then doing podcasting, it's like something clicked because then it's like I at least got to talk about things that I enjoyed because I think a lot of it was just trying to it was just very hard for a long time because you know, you mentioned in the 90s a lot where you didn't have the ability to talk to people about certain things because it was always like a 
a hush hush thing like okay we only talk about this in these certain circles but in <laughs> public you know we couldn't say it <laughs> <laughs> you know so i i do love that at least we're able to do this now and yeah it's an added bonus that it's able to be you know be spread because it's so prevalent in our uh, pop culture now but if that were to ever change at least i think for a lot of us that will continue in some way. So, Mark, thank you for, you know, sharing your insight. And I really look forward to doing this again very soon. No problem. We can do, like I said, we can do the movie review. That would be awesome. <laughs> right. But um, before we go, um, I know you mentioned it earlier, but uh, repetition is always key in these sort of things. But uh, please let people know where they can find out more about you. It came from the radio and other sites that you want to plug before we head out. As we always say, you just type in, it came from the radio, and it's usually the first thing that pops up. It'll be either the website, the Instagram, the Facebook, the Twitter, the YouTube page, the iHeartRadio, the iTunes, the Google Play, um, or we're on uh, the air. If you live in Westchester County in New York, you can hear us on 88.1 every weekday night. I believe it's after 10 o'clock. He plays us multiple times, so shout out to Radimus, who uh, plays us. Wednesdays at 10 o'clock. Um, starting next week. So actually, we're on the air right now because it's 9 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Uh, you can listen to us right now if you're listening to us live, which you aren't because this is on tape in the future, right? Or in the past. How does that work? Um, it's pre-recorded, so... Um It'll so we're live on tape. <laughs> Which I love that comment so much. I was like, damn, if it wasn't already taken, I would steal it. It's brilliant. So, yeah, that's on talkradio.nyc and on beyondthedawnstudios.com. That's at 4 o'clock on every Thursday. We have a new show every week. We upload it on either Monday or Tuesday. Um, we have a Patreon. Um, so if you want to give us money because we love money and you want a shout out, we do that for you guys for one whole dollar a month. So if you want to get a shout out, give us a dollar. We'll shout you out every single episode. And the comic is going to be coming out through apexcomicsgroup.com, all one word. They're going to announce at the San Lee Kamikaze Convention in uh, California. So if you're in California going to that convention, stop by the panel. Um, Mariano Nicizia, I know I messed up his name, but he's Fabian's brother. Uh, they worked with uh, William Shatner and Stanley on a, uh, what is that, um, Tech War, the, the motion comic, and on God Woke. Is a Stanley's was Stanley's latest book, uh, co-written by uh, Fabian about a god coming to Earth and um you know he he's learning or something I don't know I didn't read the book sorry Stan but he doesn't need my money. <laughs> <laughs> but that's in October I believe it is the week after New York Comic Con so it's in October they're gonna announce it but it's Apex Comic Group you'll be able to check out the book and hopefully you'll enjoy it. Thank you, Mark. And also just thank you for your support and for what you do to the community and, you know, you and Charlie and everybody involved that came from the radio. And I know this is going to be a weird thing to say, but thank you for being a Ferguson in a world full of Fallons. <laughs> Why, thank you. I appreciate that. Right. Which I know sounds really bad because my sister hear that and be like, wait, wait, because <laughs> her, her name is Fallon. So I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> I swear I'm not talking about you. Love you. <laughs> That'll do it for us on this episode of Agent Has Issues, and we will see you next issue.